Welcome to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. Our goal is to help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us. Now, let's join our team as we get to follow up, break down, and gain deeper insight into this week's message. Hey guys, welcome back to the TC Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I am the executive pastor here at Transformation Church, Justin Oswald. With me is our lead pastor, Brad Livingston. What's up, guys? Good to be back. Another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast, and uh, great week, man. Great uh, great sermon. We've been getting a lot of good feedback from the Thought Attack series, yeah. um, which has been awesome, and it's been good to hear feedback from many of you. Uh, and so if you want to give us some feedback, man, send us a tweet, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but yeah, we want to want to kind of get into what we were dealing with on Sunday and and jumping straight into that. I mean, Sunday was a uh, a day that we we're dealing with an issue. I don't know, Justin, you tell me what you think. I think the the church does a terrible job dealing with this particular issue. Like the and and for those of you that haven't listened to Sunday's sermon yet, the the topic is depression. Right. Yeah. The the title of the sermon was Fighting Wounded and the whole the whole topic was depression. Um but man, I feel like we do a terrible job addressing this. We like the institution of the church. Yeah, the 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 church as a whole. Right, right. Yeah, and you know, I don't remember if we were hitting on this some last week, but but I I, I agree. I think there's just a negative stigma that comes with depression. You know, um, and it makes people not want to talk about it or address their issue, right. you know, which is bad. You know, it, it's like people bottle stuff in and um, maybe it was us around the office, but even talking about that pastor out in California, I mean, right, that right, 30, right. 30 year old pastor, um, you know, committed suicide with a, with a wife, wife and three, or three, three kids. small yeah. children, right. you know, struggling with depression. Now I, I don't, we don't know all the details in that, but you know, I know he struggled with depression and sh- surely, um, there was a part of him that felt like he may not have anyone to talk to because of how it may look. Right. You know, it, it's, it's, if his congregation knew he struggled with this, would, what would they he say? have less of a congregation, right, 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 you right, know, right. because it's like, well, you know, he's a pastor. He shouldn't fight with depression. And you know, that, that type of type of thing where it, it cre- because of the negative stigma, it creates these things within, within us as Christians. And, and then, you know, probably especially those in any kind of leadership that you know, must have to address it in private if you address it at all. Right. Right. Cause no, depression's real for sure. For sure. And, and that's the, like, I think one of the things for the church is like, we've, we've dealt with it poorly for so long, you know, um, and that's even why, you know, we started after our opening verse, which is Romans eight, you know, which has our, been our theme verse for the whole month that when we set the mind on the flesh, it's death, but it's set the mind on the spirit is life and peace and, and, and overcoming depression, peace and wanting life and peace as a part of our, our thought pattern is, you know, obviously an antidote to depression. But so we started talking about the lies that we believe um, the lies we believe about depression and the lies that we believe about depression, um, particularly from a Christian or religious perspective. Right. So, um, you know, some of the lies just starting off, man, uh, depression is a lack of spirituality, not a sickness. Um, Mm. and, and, uh, that's a lie, you know, like that's a, that's a lie. And it's a, it's a big lie, man. I mean, like, how, you know, especially, I think it's worse in the charismatic movement. I don't know about you, but that's just the way I feel. Like, I feel like the, it's worse in some of our circles, you know? The charismatic or the kind of that name it and claim it, yeah, you know, type. Man. It's, it's you know, you, it, which leads, you know, let's go and jump to number two where, where the, the second lie being real Christians aren't depressed. Yeah, the second lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, you know. Real if, Christians, air quotes, real, real Christians. Christians. Right. Yeah, I mean the 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 notion that if you have a close walk with God, or you, if you have the walk with God that you should have, you wouldn't be depressed. Right. Uh, and I just, you know, obviously, obviously there are people that have you know chemical imbalances are real things and sure, all these things totally. that, that cause it that make it a sickness, like you said in lie, in lie number one. But you know, man, it's it's and, and there are people who probably don't have the sickness. You know, and it's like the pity party type 
type people that have yeah. issues to address, but it's not real like clinical depression or something. It's or you know we all go through periods like where I'm a little depressed today. You know, right, like right, like right. like for myself, I've never struggled with depression. I've been depressed before, right. but I don't. I've never had the the struggle of or like long periods or you know I go several weeks of being depressed. I, it doesn't work for me that way. I, sometimes I have a couple of days or you know where I just kind of not feeling it or whatever. But right. thank thankfully I've never had to struggle with that. Um, and I think that's the that was more the I think that was more the sermon who the sermon was built for. You know what I mean? Like, we're, you know, people that have chemical imbalances or issues like that, you know, I, I, the sermon was built mostly for the people whose depression is self-inflicted or the people whose depression is something that they they feel it coming on. And when it hits, either they, they know they'll it's just kind of a quick thing and they'll go through. But if it tends to last longer, it's because they choose to let it last longer. You know what I mean? Like, so... I think there are people that battle with depression and I think these steps can help, but I'm, I, I'm also not ignorant and I don't think any of us are to say that, well, if you just do these lists, then everything's going to be good. Like, no, no, that's not what we're, as a matter of fact, we're saying that like for some people, for some of you listeners and for some people, like you may end up fighting depression for the rest of your life. Like that may be a yeah. thing that you battle. You or, know? or you need to see a professional. Very true. You, you know, and, and, and what I mean by that is like uh, someone who's, who's trained on how to handle that, you know, um, right. not just going, not just necessarily going to your, uh, to a pastor. Right. No, to your, like, you know, for example, we're pastors, but I don't have formal training in counseling depression. Right. You know, hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? Like I can do some counseling, but it's just, it's one, it's not, it's not my gift set. Sure. But, but I don't, you know, there's something I'm not dealt with and maybe even medications in order, you sure. know, to help, and, and, you know, and I'm all for, I'm all for some of that. Um, I do believe God can heal. I do believe 100%. God can heal that. And I believe that a lot of times we walk through what we're going to talk about today. You walk through some of this stuff that you can on your own along with God, you know, sure. overcome some of this. But right. I think there are, you know, I think we're just kind of making the disclaimer is what we're kind of doing right here. Right, right, right. That, that it is a real thing that maybe you need professional help on some level. Um, and and, at, and the, all that. At, at the end of the day, no matter what you do, you do have to talk to someone. Mm. Like, and, and I just want to put that out there. For any of you that may be battling this, the only option that's not an option is to do it alone. And so, like, man, find someone you can talk to, like, work your way with it with someone. And, and that's the hard part, though. You yeah. know, that's what depression does is it For makes sure. you not want to get out of your house. Makes you not want to – you have to just – you don't want to see people. Right. You know, you just kind of want to – And that's what so you got to – you have to – that's the choice that you do have to make. You may not be able to make the choice on whether or not depression does or does not hit your home or come to your doorstep. But you do have to make a step – to bring other people in the process. And that's actually, we have some steps at the end that we're going to give, but um, yeah. So lies, man, the lies and, and some of the things I wrote down, you know, knowing Christ does not make you immune to human experiences, uh, including anxiety or depression. Like, so knowing Jesus doesn't make you immune to human experiences. Um, and then also the idea that more prayer and more faith, quote unquote, more prayer, more faith, it's a great starting point, but it's rarely the final solution for people who are battling depression. You know, and I think that's been the church's answer. Well, you just need to pray more. Like, you just need more faith. Like, you're obviously not trusting God enough. It's like, well, no, no, no. Like, you know, there yeah. are some people who are trusting God completely and they're still battling, you know? Yeah, I mean, you're right. And we all, the, the person probably does need more prayer and more faith. Right, right, right. But, it's just not the final uh, solution. Right. Right. You know, because you're, you're going you're gonna to come to those people who then say, now what? Like, I've done that. Right. Like what you know? What happens when you're? What if you literally pray 24 hours a day? You know, it hasn't fixed your problem yet. So you you can't pray more than 24 hours a day. You, you, <laughs> right, you can't right, pray right. more than that if you were praying that. You know. Right. Um. You know, if you literally prayed every every minute you were awake, there's you can't pray more than that. Right. Other than staying awake more. Exactly. You know. So like then then what? Right. Exactly. So so that's the thing. It's like you're not saying those things aren't important, but they're, they're rarely the final solution. So it's rarely, oh, just do those two things and everything gets better. Those things are a part of getting better, but they're rarely the things, you know, there's always more to it. Uh, the next lie about depression is that it's not okay to fight depression. Um, and the reality is it's, it, it, not only is it okay to fight, but it's okay to keep fighting. Continue yeah. the fight against depression. Um, next, people with depression are a problem to be fixed. 
Yeah. And it's like, no, people with depression aren't a problem to fix. They're not a project. You know what I mean? They're not like, they're just a person to be led. You know, people with a battle of depression are a person to be led. Um, number five, then you can read number six. Uh, number five, God is distant and he is not close. Um, and the reality is God is not distant and he is close, Yeah. Uh, close by. And then number six is God is not bigger than my depression. And we know that to be a lie. Like That's right. God is, God is bigger than your depression. Um, and yeah, sure. You may go through seasons where you're going, well, if God is bigger then how come he hasn't pulled me out of it? How come he hasn't done, how come he hasn't done this or that? Or how come it's not gone? And it's like, well, God is bigger than that. But sometimes it's still the battle that we fight, you know, and even going back to Paul, you know what I mean? Paul had the thorn in his flesh. You know, he said, I wake up doing the things that I don't want to do. And I find myself not doing the things that I do want to do. I say, uh, paraphrase, you know, like he, in other words, like he didn't want to battle the things he battled yet. He continued to do so. So it's abundantly clear that like, there's going to, these battles are coming. Like you're not going to get away from them, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and for some people, maybe depression for some people may not be, you know, there's people there. Depression is not an issue with them. They don't battle it at all, but they've got their own battle and it's X, Y, Z, you know, whatever. Exactly. So so because of that, you know, so we wanted to, number one, we wanted to acknowledge depression. We wanted to acknowledge its reality, its effect on believers and non-believers and everyone else. Um, and then we wanted to uh, kind of give you a two, two-way two battle plan on things that you can do to help with depression. Um, so there's a spiritual battle plan, which we're going to give you guys right now. And then there is kind of what I call a tangible plan, things that you can do today. If you're battling depression today, there's some steps you can do today. So the spiritual battle plan is, are things you can start today, but you have to work on over time. Whereas the, um, the tangible plan uh, is what you can start uh, immediately, you know, today, tomorrow. So let's jump into our spiritual battle plan. Justin, what's that first one? Is reframe. We need to we need to reframe how we view what we're going through. Yeah, change your change your vantage point. And so we we kind of attach that to the idea of changing your vantage point. Now the reason that we talked about changing your vantage point, Justin, did you ever see the movie Vantage Point? Did you ever see that movie? No, no. I had like Dennis Quaid in it, I think. I don't think so. Don't. It's a waste of time. Okay. Uh, it's a stupid movie. But all that to say is that if you have seen that movie, it kind of proves my point. So what happens is there's a there's something that happens in the movie. I don't, I'm not going to give it away or whatever. Something happens in the movie, and all the movie is, is it showing the same thing happening over and over, but from different people's perspectives as uh, they're being interviewed. Okay. So it's just different vantage points of the same scenario. And what we're talking about here is when you're battling depression – Almost always, you're going to see what you're going through, whether it's your depression, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your kids, whether it's your spiritual journey, whether it's whatever it is, you're going to see those things through the frame of your depression, which means everything, nothing's ever going to be good enough. Your marriage could be going great, but through the frame of your depression, it's not going well at all. Your kids could be doing great, but through the frame of your depression, it's not going well. Your, your job, your whatever, fill in the blank. When you don't have the right frame, the right vantage point of what you're going through, then it always is not enough. Therefore, it's always terrible. You're always it always continues the spiral of depression, um, and so you need to change your vantage point mm-hmm. on how you're viewing it. Now, notice when you change your vantage point, the the situation hasn't changed; just the way you're looking at it changes. Um, and so that's kind of what we're talking about, and particularly who. The most important and who the key factor is um, when you're battling depression. You know, this quote by Matt Chandler, uh, it says, you're exhausted in the faith because you're looking at you. The more you look at yourself and the less you look at God, the more you get frustrated at yourself. In other words, listen, none of us are ever good enough. Like we've all got a ways to go on this thing called, called a life, you know what I mean? Like, and, and God and his infinite grace and mercy has chosen to extend grace to us to give us a, a window into heaven and an eternity there when we're, once we, you know, once we pass on. But the beauty is if God is always who we're looking at, we don't have time to get frustrated with ourselves. We only get frustrated with ourselves. Uh, when we end up looking in the mirror too long, when we look at ourselves too much. Yeah, that's good. So, and so that's the idea is we need to reframe what we're going through and start seeing God 
as the one that's going to get us through or save us from or be there for, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you know, so we have to reframe and change your vantage point, right? So then, then number two. Then we have to rephrase. We have to recognize the familiar feeling. Rephrase. Recognize the familiar feeling, like Justin said. So in that, so Justin, you said that, you know, you've had those little like moments of funk. Yeah. Hit you, you know what I mean? Coupled, you know, like, and, and, uh, I, I think, I don't know, maybe I'm always, I, th- I feel like I'm always like hyper aware of this kind of stuff. I think cause it affects me too. Um, I don't think that I battled depression, but I definitely have moments where the cloud can get dark over my head. Um, and then you start adding in life, like things that you go through. I mean, things with Javen or, or feeling like, you know, this area of my life should be better than it is or just whatever, you know what I mean? Like just life has a way of doing that. So do you, when it's coming, when it, when it happens to you, do you notice it coming before it hits? Like, do you feel it coming on or do you just kind of pop your head up and it's there? Um, I would say I probably notice it coming and, you know, I, I will say that, I, I don't know. I don't want it to f- sound weird. I feel like maybe I'm slightly an anomaly in this. I just, I, I try to take a lot of responsibility on myself, but I can almost, when I notice it, I can almost get rid, like, I don't really know how to explain it. I guess, I, I guess sometimes it's like, you know, I notice my uh, attitude changing leading up to it or like right. I'm a little more irritable or something like that, you know? With everyone else or, right, or whatever right, the right. case is, but you know, I don't, I don't get down in the dumps too much, in, 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 at least for very long. Right. And it's almost like it, when I say very long, like less than a day. And it could be, it could be, you know, on a Saturday around the house, I'm like just kind of like not feeling it. But it's like you know what, I can't. This ain't gonna get me. And then you kind of, I kind of talk myself, I coach myself out in a sense. Right. Um. I mean, I wish I wish that for everyone else. Right, I, right, right, I do, right. I do. I wish that for everyone else. But um, so, I would say I probably feel it coming on. I just I get to a place where I just don't allow it. So here's a question: Do you think that the ability to do that? So you talk about the ability to kind of just like push through. Now realize, listeners, I'm not talking people that are dealing with chemical imbalances and all. That's that's almost a separate conversation. We're kind of dealing with people that that either. It's circumstances or their own personal mind or, um, you know, some of those things. And I do believe that some of them coincide. So I believe there are people who battle with long-term depression well, that allow themselves into funks and stuff. Well, yeah. You know? And it's like, it's, it's, it's the stuff that I deal with that everyone deals with. It's, right. it's like, you know, I, I don't have something that's been in my life other than like people that has, that really suffer because of chemical imbalances. But I, I've, you know, like I'll use a personal example, you know, late last year I went through a breakup right so um that was different you, you know that was not not something I would have I've chosen to go through that way or anything like that so there's obviously times where that had me down I just refused to allow it to really take over my life mm-hmm. you know so when it comes like using that personal example you know, it's like when you're at the house by yourself, you know, you kind of, you when your mind wanders and that's when you kind of get down the dumps. I just, I didn't, I didn't let it like consume or control my entire life. Right. You know, and I think some people do. Right. So, you know, I, that's not something, everyone's gone through something like that, a breakup, you know, and it's, it sucks. Like you have to figure it out. Like, but right, right, right. I just, I, I didn't let it consume me all the time like that. It makes me wonder if it, it makes me want, you know, uh, myself, I know me and you are unique. <laughs> We're a unique breed of people. Uh, and I totally get that. You know, first of all, when I, what I'm about to say is not negating the grace of God. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but you and I have done a lot for ourselves in our own personal lives in regards to career. Obviously the Lord allowed us like, I sure. get that, but let's, you know what I'm saying? Like let's nuts and bolt this for a second. Like, so we've done quite a bit in our personal lives and professionally and all of those things. But it also required this mentality of like, if you don't like what you have, change it. Yeah. Like you go get what you want. Like you, no one's going to give it to you. I think that kind of is partly, you know, in due to how we were raised and our upbringing. So my question is like, do we think that our parents and our upbringing 
yeah. have play a role 100%. in how people respond to 100%. their depression. One hundred percent. Yeah. Like, and and you take that go go before I go down that little trail for a second, but even the nature of my jobs before, like when I was in full time sales, like hundred right. percent commission, I couldn't afford to allow my depression. I couldn't take it to work. Right, right, right. Because, you know, your face is a mirror, like to everyone else. Like, right. if if I wasn't completely on my on my game and focused, it affected my my actual job. Yeah, like, people p- aren't p- buying pe- what you're selling; they're buying you. Right, like, right. So right. I like I couldn't afford that. So it's like just having the the maybe that line of work helped it a little bit. But I definitely think it's parents in in a big way. I think. I don't think we give enough credit to our parents for most things, most people. Right. You know, um, I think I think if you have issues in your life, your parents are probably to blame for a lot of that. <laughs> and I think if you have unique things like I have, like I give give that to my parents. Like, 100%. Well, I mean, yeah, to answer your question, yes, how I handle ha- – because at the end of the day, like we talked about just a couple weeks ago, like well, I was, maybe it was last week, the whole having to be careful of talking about like at the end of the day, no one cares, right? Like – Okay, like I went through a breakup and that's what time was up, right? right? And like I'm not special. Right. I'm not going through something that no one else has gone through. Right. Like at the end of the day, it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. like you're you're going through something and or like now what? Right. It's like, okay, because we can't change what's happening. I like the now what? Like, like, I can't change that I'm going through it. Right. So the choice is on me on how I respond. It goes back to what we say kind of, I, all the time, sometimes on the podcast, but we say it's like, at the end of the day, I can wish I wasn't going through this all day, but I need to instead react to the way it actually is. I actually, I wish I wasn't going through a breakup, but I actually am. (laughs) So now what, you know? So it's like, at the end of the day, I still have a job to do. I still have people like I, I can't, I can't be infect our whole staff because I'm having a rough time. Right. Like, you know what I mean? So it's, and it does. It does infect people, you know, or you get to a place where like, yeah, you have friends and stuff, but if every time you come around, like, at least that's my perception. So I try not to be that person. Right. If right, every time exactly. you come around, it's like, golly, like, I don't want everyone to think like, just get over it, you know? And then obviously just getting over it, that's right, just, right, right, right. No, totally. at the end of the day, man, you gotta make a choice. Like, and, and how am I going to work through this? Right. Exactly. Exactly. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. You know, when I think, when I think about that, it's you, you have an opportunity to respond and, and, and to whatever you're going through. And I think you're right. I mean, I think our parents play a role in it. I think about, I think about my, you know, Pastor Dan, my dad, like who, like he just is in a constant state of like, doesn't matter how you're feeling, get it done. Doesn't matter what you, you know what I mean? Like you have, you have something to do today. You have a purpose today. You have, I don't do feelings. <laughs> I don't because your feelings will lie to you. Right. Right. No, and, if, and, on, if, and if everything is based off of a feeling. Right. Like, and a lot of times you can tell that, like, for example, and I don't know where I read this recently, but it has to, you know, we're, we talk a lot about personality types around our staff and we do it in our new member classes and growth track and personality types. But my personality type, a D, a D, someone that is a, as a D is if you ask me, how do you feel about this? My response, and I didn't know this, I didn't realize this till I read it. My response is, I think this, right? Like, how do you feel about that? Well, I think that I don't respond with, I feel to me, I don't do feelings, right? Because right, right, right. I can feel something all day, but it goes back to what we're talking about from a spiritual standpoint with God. Like I can feel like God's distant, right? That doesn't mean he is right. Right. So my feeling is, is, not something I put stock in for myself. You know, I can feel like my world's falling apart, but in actuality, it's not. It's not. You know, so I, I don't do feelings. And and I know that doesn't mean that everyone should think that way. I, I think personality types is, is different and some people are more maybe in t- I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm not in touch with my feelings. I just don't, I just don't allow them to, I make decisions based on um, I don't even want to say experience. I make decisions based on logic and you you know as much data as i have available to me i don't make decisions based on feeling yeah i talk to people you know some people that are like dealing with depression sometimes and especially especially people that i deal with it often my first question to them is what's changed you know today i just i don't know i'm like okay what changed you were fine yesterday so what's changed from yesterday to today nothing okay then then this is just you like this is just you dealing with it whatever you're dealing with like Nothing's changed. 
Yeah, you know what I mean? Like and and so those who allow it and so the original question is like, do you feel it coming on when it hits? And for the most people it's yes. Like they feel it's a familiar feeling. Like you gotta recognize that this is a familiar feeling. Oh, this is what this is. I'm not you know, like try to head it off at the start. You know, there. I think people just give in to the depression because they know it exists. Yeah, I'm a depressed person, so every time they start feeling depressed, they just cave into it. Yeah, and I don't think people do enough of ref, like introspection or self reflection. Right, right, of right. Noticing patterns as it's leading up to it. Man, say that. You know, because what, what you it, talking about, Justin? It's <laughs> it's like yeah, you may feel it coming on, but what are the things in your life that happen? Like there's patterns. There's no question in my mind that there's probably patterns to it. Uh, yeah. So, so, but people just don't, don't aren't, aren't aware of that, and I think they should be, or at least try they, to be. That, or they don't want to admit it. Or they don't want to admit that their oppression is directly associated to their alcoholism or pornography addiction, or whatever, that, or the fact that they yeah. treat their wife like crap, and they're depressed. It's like, well, change how you're, change what you're doing in your marriage, and watch how it changes you. Like or, yeah. or like, it, so it's not always circumstantial, but for a lot of people, it is. Like they, it, you know, they create a mentality, they create a spirit, they create an environment, and then they get shocked when that environment starts to control their mind. And man, I think it goes even deeper. Going back to parenting, like, you know, I really hate, and we gotta talk about this. I really, I love talking about millennials because I am one. Love it. I really hate the generations that are above millennials that bash them so hard right when they created us <laughs> right 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 like we're talking about a there's generations of people that call millennials entitled yet we didn't choose to all get ribbons on our t-ball team y'all gave them to us exactly you know y'all told us that everyone's a winner y'all helicopter panned it hovered all <laughs> over us right right so and so what it does is it's created unrealistic expectations in these kids. They get older. They think they're going to be a 22-year-old millionaire, and they're not. And now they're depressed because they're not living up to the goals they set for themselves when it was an unrealistic goal. Right. Because they were told all along that they're so special and can do whatever they want. <laughs> right. You know, not, and, and maybe they will be a millionaire one day. It just takes that 22. Like, it just takes, it's just unrealistic. Right. So- I think some people's depression is is legit. I had, and it's they're arbitrary. They're arbitrary numbers. I remember telling myself that I wanted to make a hundred thousand dollars a year by the time I was twenty five. Where hundred thousand came from, and where twenty <laughs> the age of twenty five came from, right. I don't know. Those are just arbitrary numbers. So the problem is when you don't hit that, which I didn't. <laughs> right. Like when you don't hit that. Yeah. It's like. Am I depressed because I didn't meet my goal? Am I a now loser? What? And it's like no, those were just arbitrary like goals so and i and i think that a lot of times parents have a lot to do with that and i absolutely think that you know when we raise our kids to be entitled you know when when it's it's when when it's one of your kids birthday and you buy the other kids a birthday present so they don't feel left out of johnny's birthday party that's dumb right and you just one you took the special day away from the kid whose birthday it already was and you taught the other kids that you they get stuff just because someone else does you know, then then everyone wants to complain why all the millennials are for socialism and stuff like that. It's like, well, of course they are. Like, the, y'all parented as socialist. Uh, well, well, let's move on now. Oh, God. <laughs> right? No, 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 no. Yeah, I totally, I, I agree with that. And it's like, man, we continue this mentality of, uh, especially you know when it comes to the to millennials, like. Man, we're we're they're starving for something that matters. Meanwhile, their parents oftentimes instilled stuff in them that doesn't, you know. And like, so we just have a con- like this continual generational problem when it comes to all that. But yeah, no, I mean, I think I think you're 100 percent right. And then add to the fact that the millennials are the first generation, the first generation to create a social media a- uh, avenue, right? I mean, so Facebook and MySpace that was all it was ours. It was the millennials thing. Old Tom, MySpace. Old Tom, Come on, with Tom. MySpace, and then, <laughs> and then Mark uh, Zuckerberg with Facebook, and, and then we have Instagram and Twitter, and you know all, all the things, other yeah. stuff. But, but even in that, you know, the thing that I, you know, what I'm thinking about, and what I'm kind of referencing is when we talk about depression, you know, the idea of instant approval, 
you know, it comes through social media. Um, it comes through the portals that we have available to us. Like, so that's, uh, that, that's what we, the way we navigate that. So having our social media gives us instant gratitude, instant uh, approval. And now we have people we can go to. So whenever we're dealing with issues, that reminds me of that Simon Sinek, uh, yeah, interview yeah, yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about millennials and Listen, social Simon Sinek is my dude. That dude, that whole thing that he did, it's on YouTube. I think if you YouTube Simon Sinek millennials, it's an interview he gave talking about the addiction to social media and phones and dopamine right. and all. It's fire. It's the bomb. We but, used part of it in a sermon series one time. Yeah. So, but not only that, I mean, take take uh, entrepreneurs. Right. the The suicide rate among entrepreneurs has been high lately. You know, especially in the in the in the tech world out west, you know, out California and all that, and because you have, I mean, when was the last recession? Like one of the the market crash and stuff with real estate. That was like oh eight oh nine, right? Right. That's ten years ago, bro. So yeah. if you're twenty seven, if you're twenty seven and running a business, you don't you haven't ran your business. You don't know what it's like to be punched in the mouth, right? You know what I'm saying? So GV. You, you've been you've been running your business since it's been good. Everybody's been making money the last eight to ten years. If you're like the economy's been not to get political, but the economy overall has been has been fairly good when it comes to that kind of stuff. Right. Like the, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the crash was oh eight oh nine ish something like that. So you know these we're they, looking they, up right now. They don't know what it's like. So these kids are are you know as as some of them are fa- like it goes back to what I was saying these arbitrary goals and feeling like they're not living up to something you know they're comparing their behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel and it's causing depression and it's it's real but we got to give practical steps how to get out of it no totally i i totally agree um and that's what i say like some of this is just circumstantial like but what are you going to do now i love that those two words like now what now what like I, I think everyone needs to adopt that into the vocabulary like yeah yeah, yeah yep. no, you were hurting but now what? now what come on bro you know? so all right so, so that we spent a lot of time on that one so we're under <laughs> we're rephrase right rephrase rephrase recognizing the familiar feeling um yep. and then there was a couple points in there is the enemy's plan did you read that quote no i didn't yet and so uh the in the rephrase the so yeah so there's two things that we see at uh there's the enemy's plan and at the end of the day to cut that kind of you know we talked about it a lot on sunday so go back and listen to the sermon to get some of these nuggets that aren't in here but the goal the enemy's ultimate goal is to stop you from your purpose and drive you away from the lord the, the enemy's ultimate goal with with your depression is to stop you from your purpose and drive you away from the Lord. And the key way he he's looking to drive you away from the Lord is through shame. Like the shame that accompanies and the guilt that accompanies um, our depression, you know. And so because of that, we end up in this position where, where we, oftentimes we're fulfilling the the enemy's plan. What he's setting out to do through us or to us or in us um we're actually allowing that to take place because his plan is to just stop our purpose drive us away from the lord in shame um and stephen altrog says this depression turns our brain into a swirling mass of half truths and distorted perceptions and i think that's who is that stephen altrog is a writer for desiring god Okay. So Piper's, I didn't know. Yeah. Piper's I didn't know organization. Was, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, because we did, I did a lot of, so just like, no, you know, we didn't talk about this Sunday, but in preparation for the sermon, I did a lot of digging into um, a lot. So Desiring God and the Gospel Coalition, TGC, we did, we did a lot of digging into some of their articles. Um, and what we did is kind of found a common thread of what people were talking about. And, you know, cause these, a lot of these are writers or Christians that have dealt with, or are still dealing with depression, kind of seeing what they're having to say, what's pulling them through. And that's where a lot of, and Stephen Altrock was one of them. He had like six articles on there and they were all fire. Matter of fact, if you guys keep track of our Facebook page this week, we're releasing three uh, articles. I think all three of them are the Desiring God articles that we use in different parts of it we use in Sermon Sunday, but it's all referencing depression and how to move through it. Oh, that's good. We We want it to be a resource um, Facebook at a face, yeah. Transformation Pensacola. Facebook at Transformation Pensacola. So if you guys haven't, if you guys aren't following us, man, make sure you you follow us, like us, all that good stuff. But, but all that to say, uh, we're releasing this articles because there's so much good stuff in there. We couldn't use all of it on a Sunday, um, but yeah, absolutely. And so there's Satan's plan, there's the enemy's plan, but then there's God's plan, and God's plan is to draw us close. So the enemy's desire is to drive us away from the Lord in shame. But the God's desire is to draw us close to him 
through his plan. So I'm saying this, I'm going out on a limb and I'm saying this and I don't, I will, we'll see if we get any pushback, but <laughs> God still has a plan in your depression. Yeah. Some people think that, well, when I'm going through depression, like, man, God doesn't have any part of this. Like, no, no, no. I'm not saying God causes your depression. What I'm saying is God has a plan with your depression and it's always going to be to drive you closer to himself. And so, uh, you know, and I, and I kind of mentioned a story on Sunday about, you know, like whenever I mentioned a story on Sunday talking about how with my wife, sometimes I do grand gestures to get her attention and to, you know what I mean? To create moments where we're close together. But then sometimes it's, it's quiet moments. And I was talking about like, sometimes we'll go on big dates, but then sometimes it's just us showing on the couch or whatever. And those, the times on the couch are far more often, but they're also far more quiet and how Christians don't know how to deal with the quietness that accompanies their faith. Because especially in the charismatic church, especially in the charismatic church, which you and I have both been a part of for a long time, um, in the charismatic church, it's all about the big experience. Like, let the worship team play real loud, and the pastor's going to preach a message. I'm going to go to the altar, and I'm going to cry, and I'm going to go through a box of Kleenexes, and then I'm going to have someone pray for me, and God's going to do something great, and the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to leave feeling rejuvenated. Like, that's a grand gesture. Mm. That's a big moment. But if your faith isn't accompanied by 10, 20, or 100 quiet, intimate moments in between the grand gestures, you're always going to run into the brick wall of depression because God's plan is always to draw you close to him, not draw you close to experiences that remind you of him. Tweet that. (laughs) So, so all that to say is, man, but I don't know. What do you think? Like you've been in the church a while. Tell me. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you you know, I I think we talk a lot about the charismatic church because we both come out of it. Um, and I don't disagree with it. The charismatic move, you you know, church. I just feel like in that, if those things don't happen, the danger of it is if those things don't happen, people leave church feeling like God wasn't there today. Right. Um. You know, if we weren't, if 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 there if if there wasn't a quote unquote move of the spirit, or someone at the altar crying or if I didn't get goosebumps in service Man, then God wasn't there and it's like I don't Talk subscribe to that either Talk so about it so that's that's the danger uh, of that is when it's all about an experience you go to so, so then the danger is fabricated experiences hmm okay you know so um explain explain well, elaborate uh, Justin <laughs> while we're here uh, it, I will say unintentional fabricated experience. Let's go that. I don't want to say it's intentional, but you know, for some it may be. For some but, it may be, but right. I think as a whole, it's not like it, it's not an intentional thing. It's just that, it's 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 the cause, right? It's right. it's the you know, cause and effect, right? right? So what happens is when when everyone's exp- when when you've taught your church that God shows up when there's experiences, you always have to have an experience because you've taught that that's how God moves, and when there's not experiences. Uh, I think sometimes things are labeled as God moving that aren't God moving right. because you've got to have an experience today, right. you know? Um, the, the, it's like, it's that old adage, like the worst thing you can ever have is success because once you figure out how to get success, you'll keep trying to do it that way again. Right. It, 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 it's like, well, not, you know how many people I've seen go to an altar and get every week, cry, <laughs> cry there. Right, right, right. And it's like, not that that's bad. But it's like, it's the same, they're crying over the same thing, Yeah, you know? People don't understand, especially being in worship. I was in worship for forever, you know, in the worship ministry forever. Like, I could build a set list that could be a, turn into a two-hour set list, and I guarantee you someone in the right church would have a prophetic word. Like, I, I, like right. I could, knowing what I know, That's right. I could, I could create an experience that was completely man-made and Maybe God showed up, but I guarantee you I could, even if he didn't, there would be a number of people you, tricked into thinking that he did. You know how I know God shows up? Where two or three are gathered. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, regardless of, you know, and that's just the danger. That's why so, I've called, that's why I've always just kind of had that little saying of, I think Pentecostals should tighten up and Baptists should loosen up. Right. You yeah, know, there's yeah, a, totally there's a happy agree. medium, you know. And then we can uh, throw a few more in the, with the, with the Baptists. 
Yeah, I mean, if if my Presbyterian brothers. Yeah, if if <laughs> if you know, if you only feel like it was a good Sunday, well, it was a good church. If you only think it was good church because everyone was jumping pews and running around the aisles and waving flags, come on, man, come on now. It's like, Uh-oh, what happens when flags. that doesn't happen? Right. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. And so he's the and like that brings me to a point that I don't know why I waited till now to talk about, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about it, which is the idea, you know, we've had people come to TC and, and we're unapologetically about the numbers. We're all about people being as we want to, we want to count every single soul that is taken from hell and put in their eternity in heaven. Like we want to know them. We want to know that they were baptized. We want the numbers of people that were baptized. We want the numbers of people in small groups who's experiencing freedom through relationships. We want the number of people who are like, we care about that. We do, and we don't. Yeah. We don't apologize for it. No, every so, every number has a name. Every number has a name. That's yeah, exactly. So the thing about that is, because of that, we really work. We work very, very hard that in our church services, we're ministering in a way that unchurched and dechurched people can understand it and hear the gospel clearly. They don't have to filter the gospel through all of our churchy nonsense, right? When I say nonsense, I'm talking about the things that. That quite frankly, I don't know that Jesus would even care about if he was on this earth. But anyways, oh. <laughs> but anyways, in our church services, we've had people go, ah, you know, I think I'm just going to go look somewhere else. I don't know if TC is the place for me. And I'm not people bashing. What I'm saying is, they say, and we go, oh, listen, if you feel like the Lord's calling you somewhere else, like we we support that. Yeah. And then when they go, well, I don't really know if I feel called anywhere else, but I just want to go somewhere where the Holy Spirit's moving more. And I go. Or some people just say where the Holy Spirit's moving. And I'm like, the Holy Spirit's moving. So last Sunday, we had 15 people check box. This is an actual number. I don't know what the number was from last Sunday, so I'm just using an example. Three. So last Sunday was three. And last month, do you remember what last month was? 14. 14 or something like that. So last month, we had 14 people like check the box. Not just who raised their hand, but who checked the box, who we have follow-up information for, and who put their life in a different eternal state. Now listen, if we have that many people that have put their life into Jesus' hands and are now Christians who weren't before, the Holy Spirit showed up. Because John 6:44 says, no one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws them, which means if they were being drawn that Sunday, the Holy Spirit showed up. What they really mean is, I want church services where I can lay on the carpet for an hour. And it's like, but that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit showed up. You can have church services where you do all of the signs of the of the Holy Spirit stuff and not actually have the Holy Spirit, or you can have church services where the Holy Spirit shows up, but maybe you don't get the things you're looking for, but the Holy Spirit accomplished his will, which one would you rather have? And the short answer for many of those people is, I would rather have my way. Hmm. So, see ya. Take that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I hope you, you can take that to the bank. Uh, you'll find that. You'll find it. There are plenty of churches who aren't concerned about the move of God as much as they're concerned about what they perceive to be a move of God. Oh, moving on. Anyways, we're going to get emails. I can see it already. You That's can feel fine. those? Sounds good. Hey. Oh, perfect. Next, I'm comfortable. N- number three, we need to- I'm not to... depressed about it. <laughs> hey! <laughs> uh, okay, sorry. Sorry, guys. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> number three, we need to- Remain. We need to remain- prioritize consistency over intensity which means and i use this analogy on sunday but justin are you are you a three times a year dentist guy are you the guy that like i only go to the dentist when my teeth hurt no i'm not i'm not either (laughs) i try to do like a once a year deal okay you know once or twice you know once or twice three you know they say every six months is kind of what i've always thought so that that only is two in a year so to go three is too much right, right, right. you know right. it's kind of what i think but so I'm, I'm that guy that only goes when his teeth hurt i mean i brush my you know I, mean, yeah, like, yeah. I only go with my teeth but all that to say is i was curious the re- what i was curious about is i think that there are tons of people who um try to the same way you wouldn't just brush your teeth the seven days before you go to the dentist but never brush them before that but they operate their spiritual life that way in other words like when things go wrong in their life then they become super spiritual and, oh, yeah. uh, you know, like we, oh, we try to be this and I'm going to show up to every 21 days of prayer. I'm showing up every morning. I'm showing up every Saturday prayer. I'm showing up to both church services and I'm going to be in six small groups. And then they get through the season that they're in and then they go back to not brushing their teeth spiritually, quote unquote. And it's like the, tr- the reality is we have to prioritize the consistency of a Christian walk 
the consistency of a spiritual connection to the God who can get us through our depression and over our depression in many cases. We have to be connected to him consistently, not operate on moments of intensity. So we don't go from conference to conference to conference and from prayer circle to prayer circle to prayer circle. We just stay connected to the Lord consistently, connected to our faith camp, you know, our tribe, our church consistently. You know, we do those things consistently and we don't have to as often yeah. And in many cases, we don't have to hit the struggle that we we come up against. You know, consistency is the key to lasting change. That's that's right. So, um, yeah. So we we get ourselves into that position. John fifteen six says, "If you do, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. You know. So it's like, man, we gotta." We got to do that. Anyways, moving on. Number four. So we have to reframe. We have to rephrase. We have to remain. And we have to next remember. Remember. God's not letting go. Let's remember that God is not letting go of us. Um, and Second Corinthians 4, not 8 and 9 says, We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. I did that later. That's what. But... Um, and then Stephen Altrock makes another, he pops up again where he says, your grip on life may falter, but his grip on you won't. Um, and I thought that was key because we have to realize that God's not letting go in our depression. He's holding us. I put that tweet out the other day. I said, depression, your depression does not dictate God's proximity. Like he's still close and he's holding you now, you know? Um, and then this quote by Charles Spurgeon, which I thought was Straight fire. Um, Old Spurgeon. Old Spurgeon. He says, though our bodily gloom allows us no feeling of his tender touch, he holds on to us still. Our feelings of him do not save us. He does. In other words. Go by the feelings. Man, yeah. Just because you don't feel God doesn't mean God's not present. You know, I preached a message right after Tommy got in his motorcycle accident, actually, where I I, uh, I mentioned the phrase, and I've actually seen it pop up a little bit. I'm sure I'm not the only one that's ever used it, but I, I use the phrase, and I talked about how the teachers the teachers never talking during the test, but he never leaves the room. You know, and it's like oftentimes when we're going through a test, you know, whether depression or marriage or whatever, like we're looking for the God to just be talking to us, and it's just like no, sometimes the teacher's not talking during the test. But he's always in the room. He's always close by. He's yeah. always got you. He's not going to let you fall. Yeah. You know, so so let's give these tangible steps on our way out for today. Justin, tangible steps. So that was the spiritual battle plan. So that's a long term. Like I need to, if you put these things in place for your life, we believe number one, they will make your life better. But number two, they'll help you in your depression for those of you that battle with that. But then we want to give some tangible steps, things you can start doing immediately. If you're battling depression today, or if you have a friend that's battling depression today, these are tangible steps you can give to them. And they all come out of Matthew 26 um, where for uh, about Jesus. So um, the first one, what do you got, Justin? He chose some close friends to be with him. He being Jesus. He being Jesus. He chose some close friends to be with him. So he found close friends and he brought them into his pain and into his process and into what he was going through. Um, so he brought close friends to be with him. Now, he didn't. Post on Facebook and Instagram what he was going through. He brought friends with him. In other words, he brought friends into his world. He didn't jump into theirs. Like, so if you're going through this, you need to bring you need to bring friends into the process. Bring friends to be with you. Like, invite them into your world. And this goes back to what we talked about earlier, where you got to open the door. You got you got to reach out. Yeah. You can't just assume that people know what you're going through. And a plea for help on Facebook is not the best way to do that. Listen, if you do it, sure, you'll get people encouraging you, but you don't need attention. You need help. I'm going to say it again. Mm-hmm. When you're going through depression, you don't need attention. You need help. And Facebook will give you attention, but it will not give you help. Only true friends can bring help. So, man, yeah. Number two. You, it might get you thoughts and prayers. It might get you thoughts. You're, you're in my, you're in my thoughts and prayers. It might get you thoughts and prayers. You're, you're in my thoughts. Yeah. Number two, Anyways, what do you got? Number two, he opened his soul to them. He opened his soul to his close friends. 
right? So uh, he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death, right? And that's Matthew 26, 38. Number three. Number three, he asked for their intercession and partnership in the battle. Right. So he said, man, stay with me, pray with me, pray for me, right? Um, And then he even told him, remain here and watch with me. So number four. Number four, he poured out his heart to his father in prayer. He poured out his heart to his father in prayer. And uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm sure you've heard this before, Justin. It's like, when you've done all you can do, pray. And it's like, mm. or pray before you do anything you can do. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> like, how about you go? How Nothing about we, else to say there. Let's lead off with that, you know. Yeah. Uh, number five. He rested his soul in the sovereign wisdom of God. Listen, either God knows. Either God is God or he's not. But if we are confessing believers, we are saying that God is God. He is the God of the universe. He is sovereign over all things. And since he's sovereign over all things, he knows right where I'm at. And I'm going to rest my soul in the wisdom that God and his sovereignty knows where I am and he has not left me. Mm -hmm. So we have to rest knowing that God can handle our depression. Then number six. He fixed his eye on the glorious future grace that awaited him on the other side of his purpose. His purpose being the cross. And for some of us, we need to get our eyes fixed on what's on the other side of our depression, on the other side of our purpose, on the other side of what we're going through. Like there's more to us than our depression. There's more to us than what we're going through. There's more to us than our current circumstances. There's more to us than any of the things. So we have to get our eyes fixed on what's beyond this and get through this. Right. So if you're battling depression, just to rattle these off for you one more time, if you're battling depression, the spiritual battle plan is that you would reframe how you're viewing what you're going through. You would rephrase the feeling and how you talk about it. You would see that there's the enemy's plan and there's God's plan and God's plan is to draw you close. So draw close. Remain. So you prioritize consistency over intensity. And then we remember that God's not letting go. And today or tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this, remember this list of six because these are tangible next steps. If you're going through something, you're going through depression, man, find some close friends to be with you. You know, bring them into the process. Then open your soul to them. Then ask for their intercession and partnership in your battle against depression. Then pour out your heart to your father in prayer. Go to God. Then rest in the fact that God's sovereign wisdom is ruling your life. And then lastly, fix your eyes on what is coming. And what is coming for you is hope, is purpose, is God's plan, is great things. And great things from an eternal perspective, like God has a plan for you. And so you need to attach to God's plan. So those are your steps. Um, So, man, we pray that any of you that may be going through depression, any of you that may be fighting that fight, keep fighting. But remember some of these steps. We believe that they'll be helpful for you. Justin, yep. tell them where they can find out about the church. They can find us at transformationchurch.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola. All right, guys. Hey, listen, we are so appreciative of you guys tuning in for another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast. I am Brad Livingston, lead pastor at TC. I'm Justin Oswald, executive pastor. And so we appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll see you next week. See you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Transformation Church weekly follow-up podcast. It would mean so much to us if you would subscribe, like, and review on iTunes. You get double points if you show us love by sharing it with your friends. Don't forget you can follow Pastor Justin and Pastor Brad on Instagram and Twitter at JustinOswald underscore and at Brad Livingston underscore. You can tweet them your questions and comments or email them to us at followup at transformationchurch.com. For more info on Transformation Church, visit us online at transformationchurch.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola. We'll be here next week where we will help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us.